Hi, and welcome to Separate Film School. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jake. And here today, we are doing something for the first time ever. We're um, doing a little bit of a pre-review for a brand new movie, Scream... Scream. 2022, the fifth Scream movie. Um, I'll get into the theory I have about the title in a little bit, but yeah, um, the Scream franchise is my personal favorite slasher film franchise. I'm assuming it's yours as well. It is. So yeah, um, we're actually recording this the night before we go see Scream 5. Um, so we're just kind of going to do a little bit of a rundown of our love for this franchise, the problems and you know things we liked about the sequels. And then a kind of few predictions we have with this new one and what we hope they include. Um, so yeah, we'll start with the first one. Um, we did a commentary track um, for it back in October. The link is below. Mm -hmm. That kind of sums up, obviously, our broader thoughts because we had two hours to talk about it. But really hyper-focused. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's one of the best slashers of all time. It really revitalized the horror market. I mean, I know we were a little too young to um, remember it, but it's like, yeah, horror was in a pretty bad place place when that came out you look at like halloween 6 came out i think it was the same year right um, don't ask me the year that one came out we like to pretend it doesn't exist but either way around the same time so you know that was not a great place you know the freddy and jason movies had really devolved into just insanity you know i know they had new nightmare and all that um which was great but um you know really the horror franchise was starting to die on the mainstream so Scream came in and was just kind of like a shot of adrenaline mm -hmm. um, it's great one of the first horror movies I ever saw though I did see Scream 2 first which that kind of spoiled the first movie for me unfortunately but um, yeah watch it every Halloween love it and I always tell people it's not just a horror movie it's a great mystery movie too and I think that's really overlooked yep. as years have gone on and we all know that it's Billy or Stu but like I've shown it to a few friends who have never seen it, and they legitimately had no idea who the yeah. fucking killer was. It's a well-constructed murder mystery. It's a great whodunit. I mean, you could take away all the slasher horror stuff, and it could play as like a great murder mystery as is. I mean, that's just how well it holds up and everything. And it's still, I mean, especially the first one, how, how much it holds up, because you know, the horror films in general are still pretty timeless and... and that's what keeps the Scream franchise so fresh because horror is always changing. The state of movies are always changing. So that's why you can keep making these. They can never re really get old. You'd have to really try hard, you know, to get it wrong. Yeah. So that's what, that's what makes it kind of interesting. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like the, these movies can really be used as like a introduction to horror, kind of like, you know, go through the history of it where the first one is like, more looking at it through, like, okay, you know, even though it's injecting new life, but, like, the 70s and 80s slashers of the guy in a mask, you know, sequel, you get the higher body count, does the whole lamponing and pooning of the sequels, third one, you get the trilogy and concluding that, um, fourth one, you know, great on remakes, but kind of legacy, almost, they were ahead of the curve on that one, um, yeah, no, there's a lot of great stuff with it, but, um, yeah, overall, fantastic fucking movie, um, you know, five out of five stars. I'd probably put it in my top fifteen movies. I don't know if I'd put it mm. in my top ten, um, but it's definitely up there as one of my favorites. Yeah, it was a big movie for me when I first saw it as a teenager. Yeah, and um, well, about the sequels. Yeah, well, we can, I guess, just we can not talk spoilers. I guess just to keep it kind of light and flowing yeah. and everything. We want to keep this short, but we can just give our general idea. 
general feelings on them. All right, we'll start with part two. Um, first horror movie I think I ever saw. It was definitely the first um, screen movie I ever saw. Even edited for TV. I think on AMC, uh, all channels. Um, loved it. It was great. Did not see the twists coming. I think the characters are all great in it. Mm-hmm. That, that was a really tough act to follow. You know, replacing Ski Allrich, replacing, replacing Matthew Lillard, replacing, you know, um, Rose McGowan and all that, you know. To get all those, you know, new, you know, teen slash early 20s characters, um, you know, they did a great job casting. And again, Williamson's writing comes through on it again, and they're all very likable. And you're really sad to see some of them die. It's really painful to watch. And you're like, I probably feel worse about some of the deaths in that one yep. than any of the other ones. Yeah, me too, most definitely. Particular, particularly one. But, um... But yeah, Scream 2, I, I go back and forth between the first and the second one is my favorite. I... Maybe objectively speaking, the first is probably the superior one, just in terms of just the consistency of like the script and everything. I know it's Scream too. They had to rewrite some stuff because the script got leaked out, and Williamson wasn't on, didn't wasn't on the complete script process. But I think despite all that, with the rewrites and everything, it's still a fantastic sequel. It's a fantastic movie, um, and it's more thematic about just violence and cinema and everything, and how. Uh, art reflects life and vice versa and everything it's very interesting in that sense and it also kind of lampoons sequels but it's like a great you know following up on the murder mystery thing it i love the whole agatha christie takes place in a singular location at this college campus about 90 percent of it does 95 percent of it that so it feels more claustrophobic and it's kind of great because with the sequel you know ghost faces back and that's that becomes like the maddening question: Why? Why are they back? And what do they want with Sydney? Because you know Billy and Stu are dead. So, what could they possibly want with Sydney? And that's kind of what everyone's asking. What What's driving Sydney crazy? And then, yeah, it's a great it's a great twist. You don't really see it coming. It's it's very very satisfying. Yeah, I um for me personally, I do like Scream One more, but Scream Two is definitely close. I put it like Scream One is like a five out of five. I put Scream Two at like a. 4.5 maybe maybe 4.3 but yeah Scream 2 overall to date best sequel um, but, great, great film yeah. in general I, I think I've watched that one the most actually yeah I think it was on TV more often too so. yeah I remember when it came on AMC too I remember seeing the commercials and then and then Scream 3 which I guess we can get into that was saw the first... it on TBS me too yeah. oh me too yeah that was the first time I ever I ever saw it yeah and th- my introduction to the the franchise. Yeah, I don't know if I saw Scream 3 before I saw Scream 1. Mm-hmm. I definitely saw the, um, it 2 and 3. I didn't see 3 first, luckily, because I don't know if I would want to watch them. But um, it's the weakest of them. Yeah. But there's still a lot of fun in it. Um, I think, why don't you sum it up the way you summed it up to me last night when we watched it? Yeah, I guess in the past I was a little too harsh on it. I always thought it was a bad movie, but it's, watching it last night, it's... It's a bad scream movie, but it's and it's an okay slasher film. Yeah, no, I feel very similar to you. I think my main problem with it is is there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was going on um, that kind of you know worked against it. So first off, Kevin Williamson was not back. You know, he was um, had scheduling conflict, so he didn't have anything to do with it. The writing, so you lose a little bit of that through line of his writing. Um, so you get someone who's trying to emulate him. You yeah. Once said it was like it felt like a high schooler had to like write Scream. And they watched the first two. 
Yeah. Um, no disrespect to the writers. Those are some big shoes to fill. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is Sydney's not really technically the main character in it. Um, Nev Campbell had scheduling conflicts. She was only able to film for 20 days out of the 12 weeks. Um, so I know everything is revolving around her, but it really feels almost like Dewey and Gale's movie more so. You know, they were always solidly secondary, second tier to her, where she was the main in the first, second, and fourth, and mm-hmm. presumably fifth. And they were always just like one step below. But now they're like, okay, we're in the forefront. They really are trying to solve the mystery in this one without her. And, you know, it's a, it, I'll say it's a very interesting portrayal of Sydney. And I think a great place to go of she's realistically got PTSD. And we saw shades of that with the 2018 Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. I think this is a little bit more realistic of she's just like, I got to fucking stay away from everyone. You know, Ghostface has gotten in her head both times previously, and she's like, "I need to stay far away from everyone as possible because people keep dying when they're close to me." Yeah, no, it's there's good stuff in the movie, a lot of good ideas. It's just more the execution. I don't <clears throat> Nev Campbell being in it less. Did that have to do with just her not wanting to be in it as much? Do they have to write around that? I think if I read correctly, it was she had scheduling issues. She she had like other stuff, and I guess like you know. It's like Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to take a bow from, like, the Halloween movies for a while. Maybe she was like, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to fucking do 15 of these. You, you look at the amount of shit she had to do physically in parts one and two compared to part three. You know, there's not as many chase scenes for her, so maybe she's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Maybe, you know, right around a little bit. She was like the Bill Murray of this franchise with Ghostbusters, where he's like, yeah, yeah less shit for me. Maybe by the third one, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her maybe at that point. But I do kind of I I like the central idea of her character where she's in hiding and she has to come out and come out of hiding. That's that's fine. And I like the new setting in Hollywood. That's what's great about the franchise in general. That there's like a real continuity to it. And at, at the time, you didn't really see that often with with horror franchises. Um, the ca- characters in each film. They're they're growing each time, you know. The, except with the third film, I would say Dewey and Gale. That their arc is pretty. That's not so much an arc. Where they are in the beginning of it is pretty much exactly the same as they were in the beginning of the second one. Yeah. I don't know why, but that that got really obnoxious. They should have just stayed together. Yeah. No. That's the thing. We'll and we'll get with part four that they work together as a married couple very well obviously which is ironic as you know when they made the fourth one they were starting to go through their divorce but they still seem like they loved each other um yeah no i think also an interesting thing is um that i can admire the third one for is that's when you start really reaching the fact that when you think about it most horror franchises like the really big ones we don't follow the same characters all the way through so you look at it like friday the 13th pretty much new fucking characters every movie like the new skin bags for jason to kill like yeah you got tommy jarvis and a couple of them and like a few through lines but like this is consistently you know sydney prescott dewey and gail um you know and all that and you know same thing friday 13th and then you get nancy and a couple of them but like it's actually nice to see the consistent growth yeah i mean gail gail and dewey do reset a little bit but it is interesting to see where they are you know nearly a you know six years later at that point and you know two instances in like how this has changed them you know dewey's still reasonably happy go lucky 
but like is kind of a little more jaded now. Like he's still goofy, but like not you know not really you know as goofy as he was in the first one. I can't imagine him getting an ice cream cone in part three like he did in part one. Yeah, I, I, it's a little hard to pin them all down because it feels like a another writer just trying to imitate their voices and not really getting it. That's kind of my problem with Scream Three in a nutshell. Not like with the voice changer. <laughs> yeah, I was fine with that, but but I if they went with Kevin Williamson's original outline, I. This would go down as like the best horror franchise. That that would have been brilliant. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, I mean, without spoiling it for the two people who would actually want to watch Scream Three who haven't seen it, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the reveal is a little toothless. I think you know, without getting into it, you know, when you build upon every other Scream movie being incredibly tied to Sydney, yeah. I, and I know the killer is tied to her, but, like, not, not the same way as parts one, two, or four are. Yeah. Sydney has to know who the killer is before. That's what makes Scream so scary, the fact that... It's the so, people closest to you. Yeah, someone who is, is, isn't who they say they are. One of these people are lying, and she has no idea who it is. And, that's, and that's she what, really had no idea who it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, but, but that's what makes the franchise so unique in a way, and that's... Yeah, that's part part of the the power of it. It's someone you know that that's lying to you, and it's yeah. like a secret psychopath. That's it's horrifying. But um, but yeah, Scream Three yeah, not as not as much doesn't quite stick the landing with that. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Well, then moving on to Scream Four. So this was actually when we rewatched. We just finished Scream Four like ten minutes ago. Um, that's the second time I've ever seen it. So. It was very interesting watching. I watched it in college. I was a little Johnny come lately to it, but yeah, I really like it. It definitely makes up for the flaws of part three. Um, it's definitely a great you know look at remakes, um, and I think it was a little ahead of the curve on legacy sequels. Um, yeah, it's kind of an inadvertent legacy sequel without being. I mean, it's more doing remakes. Yeah, which that was the state of horror at the time. Yeah. That tor- torture porn with the saws, which they make reference to, and the ki- kills are gorier for the first time. The I really shudder at the whole gore in the, these movies. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even attach the legacy label on it because it's it's just another sequel, but it's just tackling remakes. But it, the film is kind of ahead of its time in terms of what it was what it was doing and everything. So I'm just it makes me curious what they're going to do with this new one. Yeah, um, but I do like the fourth one a lot. I, I I saw it in theaters. I was very very excited about it because at that point I I was a huge fan of the franchise, and yeah, I was very pleased it made up for Scream Three, and I I've seen it many times since then. And yeah, it's Ken Williamson back writing the script, and you can tell this time it's a better written mystery. Teens feel very real this time. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's I I mean I have some problems with it. I think it's not perfect. Um, I love the idea of the new generation, everything, but I think the the thing is, I noticed the past couple of times there isn't really like a Sydney isn't as doesn't quite feel as like the focus of this one. Do you know what I mean? It's better than part three, but I agree with you. It's I don't know what her arc is exactly, or what or what she's doing in it, or, or who you know. They, I, yeah. they try to posit Emma Roberts Jill as like the new Sydney, but she doesn't quite feel as the main character too. She's got her whole stuff going on, but then it, it's hard to tell. I, I know. Yeah, you're right. Jill is supposed to be the Sydney. They say as much, but um, 
Yeah, and I, I almost remember the other people around her just as much, if not more, and that's not exactly great. Like, I know I remember Billy, Stu, and Randy, and all them just as much as Sydney, but in their own unique ways versus they're all just kind of the new disposable teens. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all still distinct, really, all well, the I mean, characters. They are, but, like, as we get into it, um, the my one problem with this franchise is, you know, they are very precious with the trio of characters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's, all, it's like, oh, it's a new generation, but, you know... I, I, I think, yeah, well, Gail should have, someone should have died in this movie. One of the three of them should have. I, I think Gail should have. It seemed like they were setting that up. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't like how they kind of, it was kind of a cop-out there, I thought. That that would have given it a lot more weight. Because it's just, there's no way all these people can survive a fourth times. time. Yeah, that that's the thing. Yeah. So yeah, real quick, just um, since we're going to be spoiling Scream 4, because I have to say this one point, skip to the 19 minute and 13 second mark to avoid those spoilers. Yeah, no, I think the problem is, it's like, yeah, everyone fucking dies. In <laughs> that's what's great. No, no, I like it, but like, yeah, it's like, everyone dies, which is realistic, because it's like, yeah, they're fucking serial killers, and these are teenagers, but it's like, yeah, you can't just like keep having... Dewey, Gale, and Sid keep surviving over and over again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I know you said, like, the original ending um, was, you know, spoilers, so Jill is the killer. She gets taken out of the house, and the original ending was her, she's, you know, doing this so she gets famous and all that, and you hear them saying, we got a live one, meaning Sydney's alive. That would have been a great ending. Could have led into part five. But no, we gotta know for sure. Sydney and all of them are alive, and don't worry, she's gonna kill the bad guy. So literally every teen is dead except for Kirby, possibly, because apparently Hayden Pantiera had in her contract that she couldn't die on camera, I guess. That's true. Uh, that's what I've understood. And I did notice in the movie when um, fucking Macaulay Culkin um, stabs her, he has the line. I know it's not as quick as it seems in the movie, and the last you see, she is writhing around on the ground. So I guess that was their um, cop out. Like I don't. I guess like they were potentially trying to leave the door open for her to be the main in part five, which definitely will not happen. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. Like what I would have liked her. I think she's a great character coming back. Um, I think like we said, like part five would have been great where. Jill has, you said Jill has survived and like someone is fucking her trying to like unveil that she's actually the killer and all that. Yeah. She's like super famous now. That would have been interesting. That, that yeah. would have been great. And if you want to do Sid does survive, like she can't remember. Yeah, or she's in a coma or something and for, for the whole fifth movie. Then she maybe wakes up at the end and that leads into like the sixth movie. Something like that you could do and, and then, you know, Cindy's coming for Jill and everything's going to come crashing down. That could have been a great inverse of the, of the previous trilogy. Where you're following the killer as the new protagonist. <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been interesting. So, all right, well, now we're back. Um, so, yeah, overall, we love the franchise. Um, and we're looking forward for this fifth one, I'm assuming. It's safe to say. Yeah, no, I definitely am. It's a new Scream movie. I'm always excited to see that for, you know, my aforementioned reasons. Um, but, yeah, so what do you what do you think about it going in? I'm a little worried because, um, like we said with the fourth one, in my opinion, the fourth one obviously was handling sequels, but also kind of, or sorry, remakes, but also inadvertently did legacy sequels. Um, yeah. You know, Sydney's great line of, you know, remember remakes don't fuck with the original is like kind of just sums up even the current state of horror. I know horror has changed in the um, past 11 years, fuck, 11 years since Scream 4 came out. 
Yeah. Um, it's changed, but like you you really look at it that that was coming out of a time when they were rebooting everything. That's a, they had the you know that's a great scene where Kirby lists off all the horror remakes, and we were like having a horrible glut of them in the mid two thousands. Like there there were a shit ton of them. Like I, we kind of forget about that. The two thousands were a really bad year for horror movies in general. Yeah, you had some exceptions, but they really came back in the in the teens. Yeah, so you know. They, I'm worried. I'm wondering what what do what will they be able to say about legacy sequels um, as much with this? Now, one thing I really want them to do, and this could be, I know Williamson isn't writing, but if anyone, if like they know Williamson's writing, um, I think this would be a great joke. So, as I said with my opening, this is just called Scream, which that's a thing you've seen with horror movies with these legacy sequels, um, Halloween specifically. Where it's like, oh, we're just going to do another sequel, but we're going to call it the same name as the first. You know, Final Destination did that with The Final Destination. And it's a thing where it's like, you're almost, like, are they embarrassed by how many fucking sequels they've done? Like, they don't want to fucking do that. So, like, but it's the legacy sequel, but, you know, it's still a sequel to the original one. Though, this one, keeping continuity of all four previous ones, which you don't see as much in horror now. Um, But I think it would be actually a great thing where they have in the opening credits of it in the stinger kill they talk about where horror is and like they make the joke about legacy movies like oh you know don't you just hate how like they call it like you know the same movie twice and all that like how do i organize that in my dvd collection how do i look that up now and all that you know like how do i look up halloween and halloween which one do i pick and all that um and it would be great that the killer kills them and then it pops up on the screen as Scream 5 or Scream 5 and then that's what the Blu-ray would be. That would be a fun like <laughs> thing. It's like making fun of like the marketing of its own movie and then forever now it'll be Scream 5. That would be great. That's never going to happen though. I uh I want it to happen. Well, first of all, we don't know if this is going to take down legacy sequels. We don't know that for sure. We don't even know what the hell the movie's about. I think it's going to because in the trailers um Ghostface says something along the lines of like Sydney, it's an honor to meet you, and I think that's where we're starting to see like the reverence for these movies, you know, with you know, not even just horror movies, like you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, where it's like yeah, it's so I... reverent to it, and I wonder if that my, I would love to see the killer is like a stand-in for fanboys, like it'd be great if like this is somebody who's like horribly obsessed mm-hmm. with not not the stab movies like we saw in Part Four. Um, just with the true crime, and that could be a thing about like our, you know, true gr- crime obsession. Like how many podcasts are out there about like true mm-hmm. crime and all that. So this person doesn't give a shit about the movies, and that could actually be an interesting thing. Like in my world, the opening kill is actually Gale. I want Courtney yeah. Cox killed in the opening few minutes, and it's revealed by the killer later on that he doesn't like the fifteen stab movies or like whatever they'd be up to. And you know, that, I think that's a great joke in the fourth one that they're up to seven. And they make a reference like, oh, they had to stop making them about the real life stuff. So, like, part five has time travel. Part, you know, like, and they do jokes where it's like, it's watered down and become a dumb slasher that he, as a true crime aficionado, or she, or or she, um, is obsessed with true crime and gets pissed off at Gale for like (laughs) ruining the sanctity of the original. Like, that, that would be just great, in my opinion. Yeah, it would be interesting to see the killer is like a really entitled fan because these days I, 
we're going to like the legacy sequel thing. Maybe we're getting our hopes about this. They they may not do this at all, but there is something to really say about movies and and like the fandom today. And every, I I kind of hope it's like the Matrix Resurrections is screaming away where you're kind of dissecting that that over reverence for these franchises and everything and poking fun at the audience to the point where they're the killer word. They're, they're so precious about that franchise. Maybe maybe some point in the stand movies didn't didn't go the way they wanted to, and they got so pissy about it. They said, "Oh, it fucking ruined my nostalgia for the original three, and it made them want to like go make their own new screen movie that's more faithful and more fan friendly to the original." And so it's it's very you know slavish slavish to that. So I mean I don't know. I'm probably getting my hopes up. I don't think it's going to be that, but I, I am curious what it's going to be, and I, I hope it's good for what it is. That's the most, and I hope it it stays true to the spirit of Scream. From what I see. It looks like a good movie, even though I have no idea what the fuck it's about. I think they're being a little too, yeah, being a little too secretive. Like I, I don't even know the premise of the movie. Yeah, my concern with this is, you know, and we were talking about this, and I'm like, it, it won't be Scream Three bad, but part of me wonders, you know, could this end up being like um, Blair Witch 2016, where it's it's got a ton of talented people behind it, but like. Mm. There's so much, you know, like there, there, there's too many cooks in the kitchen, or they're focusing on it a little too much. That's like trying to recapture lightning in a bottle. That it ended up with Blair Witch 2016 was a much better movie than Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, aka Scream 3, in this scenario. But I can tell you, I remember a hell of a lot more about Book of Shadows than I do about Blair Witch, where where it's a competent movie, it's a very well made, very well shot, very well acted movie. In, in a technical stance, better than Book of Shadows, but I'm worried is it like this, where it's like, it's a competently made movie, technically it's better than Scream 3, but like, less memorable, and that's my concern. Yeah, I like the filmmakers, though. I liked Ready or Not, that was really good. It, it has like that... the filmmakers of Blair Witch 2016. Well, that that is true. That is true. And that Wingard, guys, he did that. Right? Yeah, the, the writers are good, too, but I don't know. I Tonally, it it looks actually a lot scarier. It like, might be the scariest Scream movie. It looks a lot darker, which I guess is fine, but it's kind of missing that humor. What's great about Scream, it has that great balance of the humor and, and horror at the same time. And this looks like it's more like a straight-up horror film, which I guess could work. Or or there's just more to the movie we haven't seen yet. I think it's that. I mean, we probably should have watched the trailers for all four of the previous movies, like just the first trailer to see. Because like, I don't think they were probably showing too much humor in it. Like I think they probably initially built up i'm trying to remember i we've only remembered the fourth one like actually seeing commercials for it and i don't really recall too much humor even in there that was one. there was i remember okay. they had the they had kind of the, the wit they, they retained like the williamson woody dialogue and everything okay. and that kind of that well and then you know i guess that's goes into my biggest concern with it you know we don't have williams nor craven in this one yeah for, for all the problems of part three you at least had Wes Craven's, you know, creative, you know, vision as the director, the man behind the camera, yeah. and not knocking any of the writers or directors of this, it just is concerning when it's like, oh, this is the first time when the training wheels, or not even the training wheels, when the fucking wheels we've all known for 20 plus years are off, and we have to build the new wheels up, you know, and it's, hopefully they're going to be great, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a little concerned, there is a little humor in the trailer with the whole, um, you know, oh, do you have a gun? Of course I do. I'm Sydney Prescott, which I jokingly say she never has a gun. Actually, 
Like she gets, she takes other people's guns, but she herself never has a gun in any of these, even when she's a survivalist in part three. Um, and then Jack Quaid um, doing the whole "I'll be right back, I'm gonna die" thing, um, which you know, of course, he's now not gonna die. I, I'm caught. He's gonna be the killer now. That's like a. I, I think I know who the killer is. I'm, do you I want to say who the prediction is for you? I don't know any of their names. That's the problem. <laughs> the, the one, okay, who I think it is, there's one girl, she has black hair. She looks a little little sketchy. She's got black hair. That's who I think the killer is. I don't even know her <laughs> fucking name. I just saw the channel, like, okay, I think it's her. Or it's the um, the black woman. Who's got the last name Meeks? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's her, the girl with the black hair. Note from the future, Jake is referring to Mickey Madsen, who's playing Amber, and Jasmine Savoy Brown is Mindy. So those are his two suspects. Um, <laughs> well, join us in a couple seconds when it's now like 48 hours later, whenever we decide to re-record it. But yeah. Yeah. Fingers we'll crossed. We'll see. It'll be interesting either way. Or we'll just forget about it. And it'll be like, yeah, that was all right. It, at, at worst, like I said, it, the worst case scenario I see for this is it's forgettable and bland. Yeah. Alright, and we're back. So, yeah, we just watched Scream 5, or Scream, I guess my prediction of them retitling it Scream 5, or 5 Scream, you know, with the stylized, 5 being the stylized S was wrong, so Jake, you were right on that one. I did have too much hope. Yeah, but at the same time, we found out that was kind of the point of the movie, and we also ended up being kind of right about certain things yeah well and we'll get into that yeah. so we're just gonna start off first with our spoiler free um views on it um generally gen- generally speaking i liked it um there were a lot of great parts i particularly really like jack quaid's richie and jasmine savoy brown as randy's niece mindy um being the two standouts for me in the movie um the kills are the most gruesome and visceral of the series really so this is the first screen movie where I've actually been squeamish and almost tempted to look away during some of them, so that's a plus. And I think the opening scene may be the strongest in Scream One. Well, I disagree with that. Scream Two. I mean, that's it a is not opening, but still, it has nothing on Scream Two. Scream mm-hmm. Two is a brilliant opening. I mean, it's great opening. I just think this is the first time I've felt very fearful because at least in Scream Two, there's a lot of people around. They could have asked for help but chose not to. Well, that was kind of the point of no, Scream Two. But, um, yeah, so we'll get into that in more detail in a minute. But that being said, I think this is only moderately better than Scream 3. Scream 4 is still the stronger of the late series sequels. Um, yeah, and nowhere near close to being Scream 1 or 2 level good. So that that was kind of disappointing. One of my main concerns is it didn't have much in the way of film critique you know, to the level that the other ones did, you know, which kind of makes the backbone of what makes a screen movie a screen movie. Here, it almost felt like a afterthought or lip service at best. I think one of the problems they had with this was that Scream 4 inadvertently handled a lot of the same material they wanted to do here with legacy sequels, so that kind of put them in a corner, but it is what it is. Overall, I did enjoy it, though. Yeah, I, for the most part, agree with what you say. I, I liked it. I thought it was okay, uh, about a 6 or 7 out of 10 for me. I would probably... Surprisingly, I would put it on the same level as, like, Scream 3. It, you know, one's strengths is another's, is another's weaknesses. Um, but I liked it. I liked um, a lot of the characters, like Richie and everything. But I think... 
what I get on fundamentally is I, I just don't think it, it's a particularly well-written murder mystery. Um, I think the difference between the Williamson written scripts and and this one is that Williamson is a pretty well-learned guy who, who knows storytelling fundamentals and can tell like a, a really good story. But he also knows you know, how to write murder mysteries too. And is probably like a pretty well read and learned guy about that. Cause scream at the end of the day is like a classic murder mystery. Like what I think we were talking about in the other, in the other, uh, discussion about that. And here it, it's the case where it feels like these guys knew less about how to write a murder mystery, even a scream movie. And just kind of, uh, kind of fell into the same traps as like these other legacy sequels but for very different reasons i i will say it, it it does introduce some new and interesting ideas which i applaud them for i appreciate that it just they didn't quite stick the landing funny enough for the same reasons as like jason reitman or like jj abrams where they don't properly deconstruct these uh these favorite movies of theirs so it you know it almost feels like a hodgepodge of scream stuff in there yeah, it's Scream light. It, it's like what we said in the last part where Scream 3 is a good slasher, good movie, good-ish movie, but not a good Scream movie. So that's where I am kind of like on that with this is viewing it like that. That And, you know, and it's tough, you know, this is obviously the first one that neither Kevin Williamson nor Wes Craven, obviously since the latter had passed away, um were involved in. I mean, so when you look at, yeah, the other weaker entry of the series is the one Kevin Williamson didn't write, and then the fact that you don't have Wes Craven's um, sensibilities and style of his direction also doesn't help here either. So, I mean, it, it was just a tough act to follow with Scream 4, and again, when we get to the spoiler section, I'll detail my thing, why I think Scream 4 is the worst enemy of this one um, versus any of the other sequels or even part one. Um, and yeah, it was just a tough act to follow and they did the best they could. No, no, they could have done better. Um, but no, there's a lot to like in it. Um, you know, I'll definitely, you know, have pleasant memories of rewatching this one or I'm sorry, watching this. But if I never had to rewatch it again, like if you told me you can never watch Scream 5 ever again, I'd be like, all right. But I'd probably be that way for most of the like sequels outside of part two, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I just love the first two more than any of the other ones. So I guess that's my view on three and four as well. Um, I think just fundamentally what's wrong with this movie is the killer's motivation is very surface level. Therefore, it's kind of a surface level appraisal of Scream in general. And I think that's kind of where it all begins and ends. All right, that's pretty much it for our spoiler-free thoughts. So, um, yeah, unless you've already seen the movie or don't care if it gets spoiled, I guess it's the end of the line for it. So we hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to join us for the spoiler talk, this was your warning. Um, all right, well, where do we want to start with the spoiler, I guess, with it? Um, I guess the mystery, the mystery angle and the killers. Um, yeah, me and Jake were both right. We both picked out the movie's <laughs> respective killers. Um <laughs> The actress that he was referring to is Mickey Manson, who plays Amber Freeman, and the other killer is Jack Quaid as Richie. Um, we both guessed him to right at the get-go. Yeah. I won't say we were geniuses about this, because it did seem kind of odd. At least, I granted, I was half right. I did not think Jack Quaid was, was the, kill, the yeah. killer. But 
Um, it was kind of it wasn't the, the best concealed mystery in the movie. But I was kind of surprised about Richie because I did I thought it was so obvious that they wouldn't. I mean, I didn't think they would do it because the I thought it would be so ob- exactly. And plus, he was so likable in the movie. I, I loved. I didn't want him to be the killer. So when he was, I. I was a little surprised and taken aback, but in a good way. But um, I think fundamentally, what, what, and I didn't, I didn't mind them or anything. I liked the performances, especially Amber. I liked, oh, yeah. I liked her uh, there, the performance. There's no bad performances in this movie. I think no. any, any problem you're going to have with characters is coming strictly from the writing and potential directing in some moments. The actors, you know, they do the best with what they were given. Right. I. Uh... I think for me, like with it, it wasn't a great mystery because we, I, you had referred to her as the one with the black hair. Yeah. So I didn't. Se- several of them have darker hair as well. I didn't know who you were referring to. So like, you know, Tara has dark hair. You know, Liv has dark hair. Mindy has dark hair. Amber has dark hair. So I'm like, okay, which one? And then as soon as Amber starts talking, I'm like, oh, she's the killer. And it was the same thing. I was, you know, suspicious of Richie, but. I, it almost kind of worked in a way because I'm like, they're so obviously the killers that it's like, it got to the point where I'm like, it can't be them. Like, it, it can't be them. And it, like when it gets to the end, when, you know, Amber is revealed to be the first killer and she kills the Liv character, I'm like, there's got to be a second ghost face. Well, there's not enough people left. Who could it be? And I'm just like ignoring the fact that straight up Richie is still potentially a suspect. But I'm like, no, it's way too obvious. It can't be him again. Yeah. So I don't know if that was intentional. Like, we're going to make it super obvious that it's them to the point that fans would think there's no way it could be them. But that's not a great mystery. I shouldn't see it coming. Yeah. I, I think on a, just on a deeper, more fundamental level, it, it just the reason all those things are, are pretty flawed is I, I just feel like, like I said in the non spoiler section, the motive is very surface level. You compare it to the other movies, like, let's just say, like, Billy, right? The motive was abandonment and revenge. Like, that was why you decided to put on a ghost mask and go on this Machiavellian killing spree, right? Here, it's, they're just toxic fans. They're, they're crazy because they're toxic fans. And, like, there's something very interesting about saying, like, I know we were talking about yeah. we were hoping for that, but... This did it in the wrong way, where it needs to be on a more. There needs to be a better motive for that. That's kind of where it starts. Yeah. Because like with Billy, I mean, yeah, they were crazy movie fans who did it. Obviously, you're technically crazy whenever you decide to do something like this, but there needs to be a like a logic to it, even yeah. if it's a crazy logic. But here, it was. The message just seemed to be toxic fans are crazy because they're toxic fans, but th- that's not necessarily true. Um, to quote your line, but why? Yeah, but why? That's what I kept going to when when he's talking about his motivation. I just but but why? Why are you why are you doing this? I never quite quite bought that. Um, yeah. So but basically, to fill it in, if for some reason you're watching us without having watched the movie, um, I know Jacob will probably listen to this and never watched Scream Five. So Jacob, this is for you mainly. Uh, basically, yeah, both killers are just pissed off with how the stab franchise has gone, and it's clearly a reference to the toxic fans for shit like this new star wars movies particularly um what was it last skywalker last jedi that's i'm, I'm not even trying to be funny i'm confusing the titles for those ones it was last jedi was the one that everyone hated right yeah i guess the I mean, middle one whatever episode eight was even though it was fine yeah no but like that was the one and you know they even like it was a very groan worthy moment because mindy 
is explaining toxic fandom and she's like remember everyone hated stabby you know that was the one directed by that guy who did knives out I'm like oh haha ryan johnson but episode eight and then he went yeah, knives but, out so it's anyway like, that, that gets to my deeper point of like there's no real through line of, w- of what this movie's trying to say it's very it's almost I, I don't know if it's inconsistent it's just like a hodgepodge on one hand you have you have the two sisters reconciling from their past you have sam being the long lost daughter of billy and and then you have this whole thing about these fans, these crazed fans trying to you know make a more fan friendly stab film, and those two things don't quite coalesce in the movie. I don't know what it's really trying to do. That's why I think the sister being the killer would have made more sense, even yeah. though you know it still would have been kind of predictable. At least it would have been more made more thematic sense. She's but, killing for breaking up the family. Basically. Yeah, but at the same time, how does that tie thematically to? Uh, the, the legacy sequel or the requel as they, as they call it in the movie so you that's what Williamson was good at threading that needle where you know with the first movie obviously it's commentating on violence on, in general well no on horror films well, in general it's it's t- it's taking all the tropes but Billy is like an actual character or yeah on the surface level he is like the horny boyfriend trying to have sex with his girlfriend who's a virgin but there's a reason for that and he's suspected because um, because of that reason, but it ties deeper into his abandonment and you know, and his motive of revenge. Here, I don't. There's really none of that. You in the movies, you either have revenge or fame is like the real motives. But here, it's just we want to remake the movie because we weren't happy with it, and that's fine. But that's not a real reason. It's like saying, and and the excuse shouldn't be, oh, they're crazy. That's that doesn't make any sense. It's like saying the Joker in the Dark Knight is crazy because he's an anarchist. And yes, he is crazy and he's an anarchist, but why is he doing those things? It's because he has a point to prove, and it's to prove that people are as bad as him, and he's constantly pushing people and testing them in that sense, and that's where the drama of the film comes from. That's part of the construction of the film. That's what the story is. It doesn't happen in this movie. It's just... All that is kind of lip service. It's just brought up twice in the movie, and I, 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 yeah. No, and that's the thing. There are two times where they mention toxic fandom. So the one is in the kind of the rules scene, and it's pretty early on in the movie. I'd say probably within the you know first half of the movie. Yeah. Um, they're at, and it's Jake and me had to seem like lunatics in our theater because they go they the new get generation is assembled by um, Sam, her boyfriend Richie, and Dewey. To try and like figure out who could be the killer and to kind of go over everything, and they go to the Meeks house or Meeks Martin household. It's Randy's sister from Scream Three, the um, dorky friend from Princess Diaries. She showed up, and we were laughing our asses off because you know everyone knows Scream Three is the least popular one of it. You know, it's like it's like if in Ghostbusters Afterlife they didn't really reference Ghostbusters one. They just reference Ghostbusters two constantly, and I think there are more references to Ghostbusters or to Scream three than any of the other ones. But that's besides the point. And they just kind of do a quick explanation of what toxic fans are, and then that's it. And then the killers at the end are opining on how bad the Stab franchise has gotten, and they're like, "Well, you know, people just hate us because we're the fans, but we we deserve respect." And like, it got to the point where I'm like, "Okay, you're." really over the top here on this but you kind of had to lay it out because you didn't do any of that yeah. groundwork throughout the it, rest of the movie it's not they're built within the, there's no through line in the movie with that unlike the other films um I, I... oh and there's one other mo- moment when the 
Richie is watching YouTube, which apparently there's a, I did, I did not notice it, but you can see a thumbnail where it apparently it shows that Kirby did survive Scream 4, so good for Hayden Pantera. But they have the um, Dead Meat guys cameoing as other YouTubers bitching about the in-universe Stab 8 movie. And that's like as close as we get to any actual examples of toxic fandom. Mindy is not a toxic fan. She just says there are toxic fans out there. We see 15 seconds of two YouTubers bitching about this movie, and then that's it. So it's it's just very surface level with it. Yeah. I'm fine with doing that whole toxic fan thing, because we do live in an age today where I do think we are, we're seeing big-budget fan films. They're no longer, you know, those embarrassing Star Wars fan films of teenagers in the woods, you know, with the rotoscope lightsabers. Now it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's Star Wars The Force Awakens. It's... It's movies like that. It just it's just this over reverence for this thing, and these fans just don't really know how to deconstruct the things that they love. Or, but more importantly, I feel like a lot of these movies are more reactionary because these movies are made to appease people and to not piss off a certain fan base. So a lot of creative decisions are being and movies are being greenlit based on this, and that's that sucks because it makes pretty you know milk toast movies. Yeah. Oh, so that's interesting. I think there's something legitimately to say with that, but there just isn't really anything deeper. Yeah, and that's the other the other thing they were touching on is obviously legacy sequels, and this is what I was alluding to in the non-spoiler part was, and the previewing of it that I was concerned was, Scream 4 was very ahead of the curve. Like, obviously they were tackling just remakes at the time, but they almost kind of, you know, with Jill and Charlie's plan kind of got into the legacy sequel of, well, we have to try and, you know, kill Sydney. We're going to kill Sydney. So we're bringing in the legacy character. We're the new Randy and Sid and all that. So, like, they were kind of a little ahead of the game. So it did put this in a awkward position in the legacy sequel standpoint. I think you could still have said some interesting things about it. Um, and they chose not to, but yeah, then they completely just dropped the ball on the toxic fandom thing. Like I, I just said, there just a couple small things you could have done to have tied it throughout the throughout through the rest of the movie was, you know, we see briefly Gail's morning show. A lot of these show, morning shows will have like a tweet deck or whatever yeah. you call, and like you could have had like just toxic fans, just like very just subtle thing on it, or the kids bitching more I, about the movies. I, I just think, have it there. I think the film needs a page one rewrite. I think yeah. it needs to be totally reconstructed because you look at the other movies, one, two, and four, and they're constructed around that of the killer's motivation, and that ties into thematically what Williamson is also commentating on on horror films and the state of films in general. This movie doesn't do that, and then once you do that, it kind of everything kind of resolves itself. And here, there's a problem. I don't, I don't quite know what the theme of the movie is. I don't know if it's about secrets of the past. Maybe, because that seemed to be, like, the heart of the movie with, with the sister and then the whole Billy daughter thing. Yeah, by the way, when we when Jake said the ghost of Billy Loomis, he is not joking. I know it's a hallucination. They're not saying ghosts are here, but it felt very Scream 3 to me, ironically, where Sid can see, like, her mom's ghost. And it's, like, hallucinations because she has PTSD. I just felt out of place there because there were never hallucinations in Scream 1 or 2 or 4. And it feels out of place here. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't know, like, what the, you know, the heart of this one is supposed to be. I, I, I feel like it's supposed to be the whole sister thing. 
I, mean, I guess, but like, and both of those actresses are great, but like, nah, I, I thought I thought Tara was better than Sam. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're both good performances. I think it's just she, Sam, wasn't given as much to work with, and yeah. Also, it's great. Her, so her name, I, I did one thing I did dislike in this movie is it, this one did something that the rest didn't do, where the names are gimmicky. So they say at the beginning, "Oh, Sydney lived on Elm Street." We're on Elm Street, and then um, Judy's son is in the movie, and his name is Wes. And then her name, their the family last name of Sam and all, and her sister are Carpenter. But given the fact that Sam's father was actually Billy Loomis. Her name would have been legally Sam Loomis, so Halloween slash Psycho reference. Um, I just thought that was interesting. I want to point out that I knew that, so no one has to tell me I didn't realize that. Yeah. Briefly going back, though, to the motives. That, that was the thing, that when you get down to it, in the vast majority of the movies, all but part three, have two killers... And while all the killers have the same motive of we're going to kill a bunch of people, Sidney Prescott's obviously the one in the middle we have to kill, they do have differing motives. So in part one, Stu is just a fucking psychopath who likes this shit, where Billy is motivated by, I need to fucking oh. ruin Sidney and her father's life because yeah. they ruined my I, life. I remember I remember now, actually, you jogged my, my memory on that. I'm not asking for something particularly deep or profound in terms of motive. Like Stu, right? It was peer pressure. That was really he's this impressionable, stupid kid, and it's okay. You buy that? That's fine. I don't. I don't need something very deep. I just need a, a good reason. Like it, it could have been entitlement. It could have been self pity. It could have been um, I, any number of things. Well, it, my, it, it could have been revenge too. Honestly, yeah. I, my, it, my theory: what could have made this better was. So I'm fine with Richie representing the toxic fans. Yeah. I'm I'm fine because he he was not from the town. He had no physical connection to the murders. Yeah, uh, to the murders, to the movies, anything. He was just a new guy. So Amber though grew up in the town and even lives in Stu Mocker's house, which I thought was cool getting to revisit that. I didn't feel you know the same wave of like, are we doing this when we saw Halloween Kills when they went back into the you know back into the Myers house because it felt a little bit earned here like there's something like I like I don't know it felt better for me here I, I enjoyed that part but um you know Amber's a fan as well see and I jokingly were saying this because like they just kept saying in the trailers is like you know we're all connected to this somehow or like so like I, and we were discussing like wait are they physically going after people from the last or from the first one and we find out they are the um you know main girl is Sam is Billy's daughter the first kill in the movie is Stu's nephew. Um, Randy's niece and nephew are in here. Obviously, you have the original characters are in there. See, I would have loved to have Amber's reveal be that she was Stephen Orth's little sister, adoptive sister, I should say. Um, if you don't remember who Stephen Orth is, he's Drew Barrymore's boyfriend from the first one. The first kill in the entire franchise. And no one remembers that guy. <laughs> you know, everyone remembers the opening you know, scene. It's just Drew Barrymore, obviously. But that would have been great. So my theory, or, or my proposed version, I should say, is you have Steve is killed. That puts a huge strain on Mr. and Mrs. Orth. They're dealing with, like, you know, their marriage is falling apart. Their baby boy was killed. Fast forward to, like, 2005 or however old these kids are supposed to be. They just adopt a kid to just try and, you know, save the marriage. You know, like how a lot of people, you know, have a baby to try and save the marriage. That baby becomes Amber. 
that obviously doesn't fix their marriage because, of course, that always doesn't. And they become very neglectful parents. So Amber's just, like, pissed off that she got brought into this shitty situation because of these murders that her adoptive brother, who she never met, was just tangentially involved in. But much like how most people don't remember Steve from the first movie, no one in the town remembers him. So that could be a thing where she's like, yeah, the Meeks family, Sydney's family, and da-da-da-da-da. They all went through trauma, too, but they're famous. They have movie characters named after them. People know them. We're a footnote in the franchise of Stab, and that could have been a you know, good you know, um, kind of juxtaposition to Richie's self-entitlement that she's pissed off. She wants to be entitled to the fame of having yeah. a famous dead person as well, and that could have been a funny reveal. She's like, my name is Amber Orth, and like everyone's like looking at her. My brother was Steven. Everyone's still looking at her. Casey's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and and when we're dealing with legacy sequels, which deal so much with you know nostalgia and reverence and like member berries, remember this, remember that. I would love the idea because this is something that Kevin Williamson I feel like would have done with the, in the spirit of classic Scream, where the movie is obviously about legacy sequels and remembrance and remember all these classic things. Well, the twist kind of would be the reversal. It's the killer is the person no one remembers, and she's trying to get everyone to remember Stephen Orth or, her, or who she is and everything. It's classic scream, telling you exactly what it is, but there's still like a, a reversal to it and everything, and it's and it's 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 it becomes much deeper and more personal, which kind of goes back to like to murder mysteries too, where the the killers there's always something there's always something more to them than that. So, but he, so I feel like she could have been like the true kind of or, Richie's kind of like that, you know, the happy. Yeah, the heavy, yeah, like, yeah, so, like, he could have been, like, the stew of it, but, like, Amber would have been, like, the true brains of it, and it would have been kind of sad and pathetic at the same time, in a way. I think that could have, it didn't need to be that, but I think that could have fit into what this movie was trying to do. Um, Just give one of them a different motivation, and I think it would be much easier to do a personal thing that would tie into the legacy with the person who grew up in Woodsboro. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... That would have been cool. And that's I, and I will give this movie credit that it didn't fall into the trap of a lot of legacy sequels. Like, I was just imagining, could this be, like, Halloween Kills? Where we're going to bring... So, to put in perspective, at the beginning, like, they're saying Sam... Like, the, she goes in about her father. She's like, yo, I have to tell you about who my father is. And, like, I can't remember what the line is, but, like... It, oh, no, it's in the phone call where they say, talk about her father and, like, what you don't really know and all that. And... I did not go to Billy Loomis as being the father. I'm like, oh, God, what fucking character in the background from, like, Scream 1 are they going to pull out? So, like, with Halloween Kills where they have to bring Tommy Doyle and, like, Lonnie and the little, um, what was the, Kelly or what, oh, double M later, um, and the nurse and all that, they brought, and the sheriff, and they bring every fucking character from Halloween who's still yeah. alive and acting back. I'm like, oh, my God, are, who, what teenager in the background are they gonna be like that's the father and i'm like no you i will give them credit that they're like not trying to pull what few actors are left back i didn't like skeet Ulrich being dragged into this i thought the ghost effect was a little de-aging was a little off for my taste but um yeah it was they didn't fall in the trap of legacy sequel hey remember this constantly no that that's what i what i like about it yeah. too it, it it does it succeeds and it kind of fails in certain areas of like the legacy sequel um but oh we can get to like the 
the actual legacy characters like Dewey and, and Gale and Cindy. But Dewey, yeah. I thought, was pretty well used in the movie. Yeah. Um, I w- this is the one thing it has over Scream 4 for me, where I liked how the protagonist was new. It wasn't Cindy, it was Sam. And then Cindy and Gale, and they're kind of, they're there just kind of support it, but it was done well. I, I feel like that should have been more the thing in Scream 4, because in Scream 4, at times, it's, it's a little hard to tell who's the protagonist. Is it Jill or Sydney? But anyway, it's it was at least the right approach here. And I did kind of like how, you know, Sydney is just kind of done with it all, and she's just <laughs> shooting the doors and everything. She just, she just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Well, I love like, when she hangs up on Ghostface, and you can hear who, whichever Ghostface. I was uh, presuming that's that, Amber. That was Richie. Oh, Richie. Yeah. yeah, she opened the door. She's like, oh, boy! And then he was, like, on the phone like this. You can tell that was Oh, him. okay, I didn't notice that. But, yeah, Ghostface is, like, going on. She's like, yeah, I've seen this movie. He hangs up. <laughs> Roger Jackson had to love this one because he got to do a little bit more in the terms of like acting range because the beginning scene is great where he's pretending to be just some guy calling for her mother and all that yeah. he sounds reasonably normal to begin with and then that where he's like they're like oh shit this isn't how the movie's supposed to go like that worked very well with the fanboy idea that they don't have a contingency for someone hanging the phone up on them because it's the horror movie they have to hear the whole conversation out for my plan and my yeah. taunting, and they had no idea what to do. They're like, no, no, I have so much more to say, and that was great. That's what I liked about. It. That's where they could have fucked up even more is like these these stupid fans because they they didn't really think this stuff through. They, again, it could have been a real nice lampooning of just how people read these things in a service level way, and that become becomes their downfall. Yeah. But they kind of fall into those same traps. Yeah. Now, see, and that's the thing. So. We'll get into my problems of later, but Dewey dies in this, and I'm glad we're stopping the over-reverence for the characters. Like, you know, when it's a slasher movie, and, like, you have the same three people never dying. And, I mean, I like, they even have him say when the kids come and ask for help, he's like, I've been, like, stabbed, like, nine times and shot. I'm not getting involved in this anymore. Like, that, it's a very real thing where he's, like, now she's like, how many more times can something bad happen to me before my number's up? And we find out, fifth time. Yeah. Um... I was actually hoping Sydney was going to die. I I thought what it would have been a great moment. So Sydney and Gail go to the murder house. They go inside. Gail is shot, you know, by you know, is shot at by Amber, and she gets shot in the stomach. And her and Sid still go in the house. I would prefer Gail is stuck outside or whatever. She can't like you know physically go in or something. They go in. Amber and Richie are holding her, Sam, and Sydney hostage, and they're like going through their whole plan and whatnot. And much like when Scream 1, they realized that... Fuck, what was the younger sister's name? Tamara? Tatum? No, um, in the new one. Oh, the new one. Uh, Tara. Tara. Um, much like in Scream 1, they realized Tara has gone missing, and that's when the plan starts unraveling, and like, oh shit, we gotta go look for her now. I would have loved, like, Sydney taunts him, like, taunts him or whatever. Richie and's like, oh, yeah I, yeah, I remember this part of the movie, too, or whatever. And then Richie turns back, he's like, you're right, and then just shoots Sydney in the head. I think that would have been a great, that would have been very Kingsman-like when Colin Firth gets just shot in the head. And it's, like, incredibly unexpected. And you know, it's like, okay, the new main character is Sam and Tara now. Like, they are the leads now. Sydney Prescott is gone. And I think that would have been a good way to send her off she's still like got a, even when she's in danger has her fuck you attitude but like finally she encountered the one killer who was smart enough to be like no i know what happens as soon as we turn our back on you this is how this fails that's how billy and Stu died i think if it was well executed and earned that could have worked and i think 
my way would have been great. Um, my concern with trying to kill her off is I did not like how they killed Dewey off. Yeah, it was a little contrived. I, I, I was, I, it's something that he probably wouldn't have fallen for at that time. I get he's, you know, he has his heart on his sleeve. He's kind of a goofball. Out of all the three of them, he would kind of do that. But still, by that point, I think he would have smartened up. And Yeah, no, I mean, so the context is they're in the hospital. He comes running in, gets tackled by Ghostface, throws Ghostface off, then helps, you know, um, helps Richie up. And they start leaving. It's like, no, turn around and shoot Ghostface dead. He unloads his clip into Ghostface. You think Ghostface is dead. He puts Richie, Tara... And Sam on the elevator, and he's like, I gotta do this. I gotta make sure they, they always come back. And you have the dramatic thing as he's like reloading his gun. He gets too, way too close to Ghostface. His phone rings, which was stupid. Gail that, was calling. And that was the dumb him. that was the dumb thing. I'm I'm okay with him slipping up, not shooting him, and they just in the heat of the moment they have to get out of there. That's fine. And him having to go back. That fucking phone ringing though, I thought that was so dumb. That's come on, that's not something Dewey would have fallen for. I, I don't think Dewey would have gotten close with it's it's like with Halloween Kills it's like why yeah. are other people with guns getting it, within it, stabbing it range? should have been more of like a face off or something yeah no like it and you get down to it even though um, Dewey that, should not have been fooled like that yeah even though Am- Amber's obviously like a teenage girl you're going up against like a fifty year old man who is like or fifty plus year old man who has a lot of injuries it's like yeah it could just be like she got the fucking upper hand on him like. I would even find if rounding a corner or whatever, he gets stabbed, and then in the final confrontation, she's he's too weak to fight back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like versus just a stupid mistake of being distracted by a phone and getting right up within stabbing range. It's like that that was they did do me dirty. Yeah, a little bit with, with that. Yep. So that was that was a little disappointing, but I'm I'm glad they killed one of them off, and it still worked as a beat. It's sort yeah. of like the all is lost moment in the movie. That's what prompts Sydney to come back, and that's that's what would do it, of course. And she had to leave um, Mark with the kids, so I guess she married Mark Kincaid from the third one. Yeah. Is the reference? I missed that. It, I, I heard Mark. I just did not. I forgot his name was Mark. To be honest, it, it took me a second. I'm like Mark, Mark. Who the hell is Mark? Mark, Mark? Because I just always refer to him as just fucking um, Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> like in that, I forget his name. I'm like. It took a second, but we had watched all four of them in a row, so... And then, like, my brain fired. I'm like, oh, that was his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm... I, I just think that just the execution of, like, they just tweaked that scene a little bit. I would have been fine. I don't think all three of them needed to die. I think Gail's um, final kind of, like, redemption here at the end where she's like, I'm not going to write about this again. I'm, go- I'm like, fuck them. They can live in anonymity is the line. Yeah. And how she plans on writing about Dewey. I think that could have been a good beat where she then, like, says the same thing, like, about Sid. She's like, because she says about Dewey, it's like, I want to write about a good man who, you know, served his town and would do anything for anyone. And then, like, you know, with Sid, be like, I want to write about a woman who, you know, the world just kept shitting on, but she just wouldn't give up and just kept saying, fuck you and standing back up. You know, like, that would have been, like, a nice, you know, showing her love for Dewey and respect for Sid and their friendship of 25 years and all that. And yeah, I think that would have been a good ending to those two characters and, you know, the legacy sequel closing. But, you know, supposedly they said they want to make more movies. Nev Campbell said she's interested, so got to keep her alive, I guess. And I think the other thing I just want to say is that I think 
criticizing toxic fandom I've noticed in like this quote unquote discourse has become an excuse to not criticize these like beloved films. Yeah. Which has kind of become like the reverse toxicity of, I believe it, it just, it, it's, it never really gets anywhere. And I've noticed this already with scream fiber. People are like, Oh, they're playing into like into the killer's hands. Like they're acting. It's like, no, it's, Look, there's stupid criticisms, which I get, which happen all the time in movies, but there's also, like, legitimate criticism, criticisms that people have, and people now just shut down whenever you try to criticize something. And yeah, and I think it's, like, the toxic d- defenders are just as much of a problem, and I've yeah. seen this with Ghostbusters, yeah. Afterlife, um, and, like, any legacy movie now where it's just like, you know, to be perfectly honest, the people who defend last jedi to the fucking bitter end and say it's the best movie ever annoy me just as much as the people who say last Jedi is the worst movie ever and should be like wiped from the canon and it's like you you are both on two sides of the same coin or you're like really investing heavily in a corporation's piece of entertainment and you're being blind to anything either positive in one direction or negative in the other direction and it's like i've seen tons of headlines where it's like Oh, well, the new Cowboy Bebop show wasn't supposed to be good. Or Wheel of Time is bad. But that's the point. It's like, no, yeah, there are companies like Asylum out there who purposely are trying to make schlock movies that are costing them like $3 million, you know, really cheaply made, that they want for college students to watch while they're getting drunk and stoned. Netflix, Paramount... You know, Hulu and Amazon, they're not purposely trying to make schlocky movies, though. If something is bad, you don't need to defend it and be like, well, that was the intention to begin with. Yeah. Sometimes it's just bad. Mm-hmm. And I noticed there are several sloppy things in here that I know I could be criticized as being a fanboy because, you know, that's how it is. But it's like one thing I noticed, and it just shows you, like, the lack of, like, an eternal logic in, like, the writing of this is... In Scream 4, they show they're watching Stab 7. So there's seven Stab movies. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this movie bitches about Stab 8. That's the, apparently the most recent one. They The Dead Meat guys are shown like having a video criticizing it. Mindy makes reference to saying everyone hated the 8th one because it had nothing to do with it, the, any of the other movies. But Wes, you know, who is Officer Judy, now Sheriff Judy's, um, son, makes reference like, well, my mom's in one of those movies. And like, yeah, no one cares about those movies. So that would logically mean Stab 8 was about Scream 4. So it's like, well, that would then actually be about the real cases. So it's like, it's just, it just shows like a lack of like laziness with the internal logic. It's like just, if you made it Stab 12, you made 15 or five more of them, that logic works where the fans keep getting pissed off. We see in part four, the kids love all the Stab movies. They're quoting them incessantly in that scene yeah. in the barn which I think showed a great thing of the reverence for them. But now we're saying one movie later, it had nothing to do with it, which that can't be the case, and that everyone hates it, these movies now. And it's just like a lack of internal logic really weakens your movie. Like, you're not paying attention to your own plot. Why should we then care about it? I think they should have maybe thought through the implications. But I think most importantly, we don't see Stab 8, really. I think we see that like little moment on YouTube with the... With the, the the spray can with the flamethrower sort of thing, which that was a misdirect in the trailer, the metal mask yeah. scream mask with the flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. I, I did kind of like that because I'm like, ooh, where are we going with that? But. Yeah, but I wish we would have seen stab eight and some sort of like response to that, or maybe it was just opening. It it had just come out, and people were reacting very harshly to it. That could have been part of the setup of the movie. 
But yeah. that was another issue too. But um, but yeah, I think you bring up a good point before where people are blindly defending corporate trash. It's like it's, <laughs> it's yeah. like the slop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that's kind of where we stand with this movie. Um, yeah, I rank it better than part three. So going back to my rating system from the beginning of it, I give you know the original Scream, you know, ten out of ten, perfect movie, you know. Scream 2, I'd give that maybe like a 9, 9.5 out of 10. You know, pretty, gr- really great movie. You know, some stuff I didn't like, you know, but it's pretty goddamn close to being as good as the first one. Scream 3, I'll give it like a 6.7. You know, it's passing. You know, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's a junk food movie. Scream 4, I give that maybe like an 8.8, 9. You know, it's pretty damn good again kind of wish that's where it ended this i'd probably give it like a maybe solid seven seven five you know c minus kind of movie i would i would rank for me it's still tied between one and two i, I still go back and forth as my favorite even though i i do think first is objectively the best one yeah but i still think two is a great movie um and I, I gave it nearly a perfect score <laughs> yeah no it's it's a terrific film but i i i love it for a lot of personal reasons too but Three is okay. Yeah, so one and two are tied, and then below that is four. And then I think I would put five next and then three on the bottom. But I will admit it could always switch by next week. It's just kind of funny how I never expected. I thought it would be more clear-cut in terms of my ranking, but Scream 3 and 5 are closer than I thought they would be. Yeah, that my prediction was I was really concerned. Like I said, this was going to be like Blair Witch 2016 where I'm like, I know it's objectively better by like the schlockier one still with in this case being Scream Three, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, like I said, that I like. I love all the Richie and Mindy jokes. Like the humor in this I think is very spot on. Um, you know, I, Richie, I love his like thing when they're, they're saying, Well, we gotta go to Amber's house, what's the address? One, two, three, I don't fucking care or drive or something like that. And it's like it's very funny. He's great, Jack Wade's a great actor. But yeah, you know, like I said, the kills are great. And one moment I didn't mention that I love is um, the first kill in the movie comes a lot later um, in the movie than we're used to. But when they're killing what we find out to be Stu's nephew, the car is rigged to turn on and Red Right Hand is playing, which you know is the mainstay of the Scream universe minus Part Four, which mm-hmm. didn't have it for some reason. And that kill was perfect because the music like lined up with the kill perfectly. You know, get it to the point that Ghostface wipes the blood off the knife like as the bell tolls and I thought that lined up I thought that was primo moment great kill but yeah no in the end of the day I if I never had watched this one again I don't think I would be too upset either I think I'll go see the next one but I don't think I'll need to rewatch this one no I'll, I'll include it in my screen marathon I'll watch all five well, I mean, how often do you... No, wait, fuck, you do that like every two months, practically. Uh, <laughs> you do it more than I do. Okay, yeah. never mind. That's my favorite horror franchise. But I'm... Cons- so let's get... We can wrap this up, but for yeah. the sixth one, that kind of brings me to it, because it seems to be doing well, and they say they want to make a sixth one, so I'm just thinking now, what the hell do you do next? And my thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe now you're on the sixth movie. This is now like the jump the shark phase of the franchise, where, like, you know, you have... It's Halloween 6, you have Jason X, you have, you know, Freddy's Dead, these just really terrible, hot, schlocky, schlocky films, and, and they have to kill the franchise. Is that what you do now? 
I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, that was, like I said, the biggest flaw, or the biggest thing this movie had going against it was not that Scream 1 exists, that Scream 4 exists, and not enough had changed in the world of horror, and what did change, Scream 4 was ahead of the curve on, so they kind of already did it, so... I think a lot changed in the world of horror since Scream 4, that just... I not like what they were ta- talking like when they do at the beginning allude to her being when um, Tara was like saying oh yeah. I like the Babadook and more intellectual work I'm like oh if we're going that route that could be interesting so maybe they could do that but in the world of the requels legacy sequels I think Scream 4 was just a little ahead of the curve they touched on it just enough to make this one have a bad start so I'm, I'm really concerned I think your idea that's the only thing I can currently think of okay yeah, I, I can't think of either because enough time passed between four and five where pop culture and movies and horror movies changed. Cinematic universes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they, they connect it like, you know, there's ghost faces killing and then Michael Myers shows up and it's connected to Halloween um, or, ends. Or you just do a thing, you just bring everybody back. Or, I, I don't know, but you could have fun with that, but it just, yeah, we you get, gotta do it. I guess my main concern is because I wasn't very impressed with the, with the construction of the murder mystery in this that gives me that gives me pause because it's like okay if they make like three more of this is this just what it's going to be like where you have these like poorly constructed mysteries and with like poor killer motivation like that's that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. I hope they just maybe get a different writer. Bring Kevin Williamson back. I know he's probably over the franchise, yeah. but pay him whatever he wants, or just just someone who just is like Williamson. Who you don't have to be Ken Williamson. Just for God's sakes, just put the care into it that he did. Well, not care in the sense of just being learned and well-read enough to know how to make a, you know, a functional film. Yeah, I mean, I in the end of the day, I look at I try and like when we were leaving the theater and I was digesting this because again, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I point out plenty of stuff I enjoyed with this. I was trying to think where I would rank this in legacy sequels I've seen. I think this is much better than the Jurassic World movies. I, I mean, I love the first trilogy Jurassic Parks I enjoyed this more than Jurassic World hell of a lot more than Fallen Kingdom to the point that I hated Fallen Kingdom so much I do not want to see Jurassic Dominion um it's the same thing with the Halloween movies I really liked Halloween 2018 I might put it above this one in terms of a legacy sequel done well not 100% sure this is a lot better than Halloween Kills though like Halloween Kills had I seen that in theaters I would have been pissed off this I still enjoyed so I know I said I don't want to see Scream 6, but if they do one, I'll see it just because I love the franchise and they haven't burnt the bridges enough. They're, they're, they're pouring the gasoline on the bridge and they're handing out matches, I think, but no, they I, haven't done any, it, enough damage for me Scr- to hate that. Scream has not gotten to the point yet of all these other franchises yeah. where they've gotten watered down and homogenized. That's what I'm worried about. Where yeah. Now it's like, oh, Scream, now we can start milking that for all it's worth. That's what I'm worried about. And just... Really making shitty movies like it, it. You have to do a lot to really get there, but in this day and age, that could very well happen. It could or happen quickly. Or maybe they could commentate on that in Scream Six, where it's like this big corporation wants to make is like, oh, stabs hot again. We want to we want to do this, that, and that. We want to water. We want to make a TV show. We want to we want to make a, a spinoff series. We want to do all that. They could maybe commentate on that. Um, that could be fun, but yeah. I, but again, in terms of other legacy sequels. It ain't Matrix Resurrections in terms of what it's trying to do and deconstruct these things. But, you know, it's it's a genuine effort. I just wish there was more more research and more 
and more thought put into it because it, at times it does come off as like a reactionary movie. Yeah. And that and that I think puts it in like Scream Theory. It, it, it will not hold up as well. Yeah. Still watchable and, and fun. I enjoyed it, but yeah, I recommend not like, it still. Not like one, two, and four for me. Yeah, I, I still recommend it. You know, sure, tickets are really expensive at the theater and all that, but if it's anything like our theater experience, there was like a dozen people in the theater, so we were fine. Um, yeah, I recommend it. It was enjoyable enough that if you like Scream, you'll still like these. If you, I mean, if you hated Scream 3 and you have a burning hatred for that movie, maybe don't, but if you're kind of like just whatever with it like we are i think you'll like this i think i think the fans will like it yeah after after they've been accused of being serial killers and that's a good note to end on yeah all right well we hope you enjoyed our little discussion into scream 2022 what's the next one going to be called well much like halloween they'll just come up with a new subtitle Scream kills? How about Scream 6? This is the search for more money.